Let me go right into the word. Uh, you have sermon notes that you may have picked up on the way in. Uh, I don't have a great deal. I mean, it's, there's, there's not, there's, the, the scriptures that I'm going to share today are very rich. Um, so I want you to get ready to just go there with me as I teach you this morning. Remember to stay spiritually close. How many have felt spiritually close even when we were distant? Has anybody felt that? So the Zoom groups are a great opportunity. They will continue. And I was thinking because of our difference in uh, you know, geographically, Hampton Roads is a very diverse area. You know, So we have people who live in Chesapeake. And uh, by the way, I haven't been to your house in a while. Alfred, so you guys need to invite me back over. I need to come back over sometime because that is a nice place y'all live in. I, I went there when you first moved there. But we have people live in Chesapeake. We have people live in Suffolk. We have people, uh, goodness, you know, Tam and Drew come all the way from Hampton, Virginia to be here. And uh, we have people from Newport News. Eventually, Wes will be back. We'll be looking forward to Wes coming back. I know Emery is looking forward to Wes being back, but... He, he drives in all the way from Williamsburg to be here. And, uh, and uh, so I, I like that. But I, Zoom groups is a, a great way to stay connected even after Sunday is over, right? So uh, all of these groups that you might want to connect in, it's not difficult. We saw children via Zoom this morning. Those were, that was a Zoom choir. Um, and when you, when you unmute everybody, you can talk and just sit in your house and save all that gas money. So... Uh, uh, some awesome, awesome Zoom groups that we have going on. Uh, I am in a series right now about the reality of restoration. And here's what I've told you. Uh, and th- this was at the beginning of this, this, this time. The Lord says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Now, we connect that. If you go Joel 2 all the way down to 28, uh, we have the, the scripture that Peter preaches on in Acts 2, where, where God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Because... Sometimes you think the locusts just ate your corn, but they ate your heart. And we can, we can find corn, but what do you do with the brokenness that's going on? One of the things that I've also realized during this season is that the brokenness of individuals begin to come to the surface. Uh, it's one thing. You can, you can uh, go away. Uh, go to work every day. You can go to school every day. The family can be separated. But when you're right there in the house, you find out what's really going on. Amen? And then you have to deal with some of those. And, and my declaration to you is that it's almost as if we're all in rehab. And I, I believe this. I believe more people need rehab than get rehab. More people could use some rehabilitation wouldn't you have liked to have dealt with some of the stuff that you dealt with in your years? Wouldn't you have loved to have had some of those wounds uh, already been taken care of so you wouldn't have been isolated and broken? And you know, why, why is the world treating me this way? So I want to continue in this discussion of the reality of restoration. And today I want to talk about reconciliation. And my discussion is the communion correction. And some of you might know what it is, but hang with me in this teaching. And I'm, I'm going to begin in Matthew chapter 5. This is not a place where a communion has uh, already been instituted, but it is a powerful word uh, that connects with it. It is foundational to what we believe in Scripture. Uh, Jesus taught this. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, 
Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Wow. All right. I don't know that I've done this before because we don't really have a context for this, do we? We don't have a context. The context would be what gift? I mean, our gift is tithings and offerings is what we feel. But really, that's not necessarily the concept here. Uh, Our gift is our life. How many would like to never sin again for the rest of your life? How many are you you lying right now? Are you lying? I I mean, there's times when I just want to sin. It's like, Jesus, I'll be right back. I got to slap somebody, you know, and but... But when I say your gift, here's here's what the Bible teaches us, that let everything you do, let it be done unto the Lord. Now, if you look at your life and you say, well, this isn't a good gift for the Lord. And you understand this when it comes to the Christmas season, right? During Christmas season, you're out shopping and you're trying to find that perfect gift for someone and... uh, You think, well, I'm going to buy Pastor Rick a bottle of aftershave. Don't do that because I won't use it. I don't want to use it. All right. Now, some of you ought to use that, but I don't. I don't. Don't buy it. That wouldn't be a good gift for me. All right. It'd be a good re-gift because I could take it and give it to somebody else. But so you would say that would not be a good gift to give to Pastor Rick. You understand what I'm saying? So let everything you do, whenever you talk to somebody, whatever you're doing in your life, the way you treat one another, the way you deal with money, uh, the way you deal with relationships, let everything you do be a gift unto the Lord. So I want you to look at the scripture and I want you to consider as we walk through it because I, you know, I love to preach. Everybody knows I love to preach. I mean, it's been difficult for me to preach 20 and 25 minute sermons during the season, but it's been important for me to limit some of that. But here's one of the things that's really strange for me. Okay. Uh, I'm preaching. I'm just going on about my sermon and I'm into it and people are praising God and somebody just stands up and walks out of the room. He said, he, he saw me. Yeah, I saw you. I, I saw you. And, and then, you know, I'm not upset much. And uh, as, as you're I'm thinking, well, they probably need a cup of coffee because I'm boring. I know. I know they probably had to go to the bathroom. That's right. I just said bathroom. Some of you are thinking, oh, don't even think about that. Just get it off your mind. All right. I don't know why. And I'm thinking, you know, this is really important right now. This really, really matters. Uh, I also have to be careful with my connection right here because I have like, uh, here's Facebook right now. Look at all the people that are here. Praise God. So good to have all of you here. Uh, And I'm looking at numbers and I'm thinking, I'm preaching. How come the numbers just went down? (laughs) Where did where did everybody go? You know, and I know you're worried about me right now. No, I don't. I, I don't do that. I don't. But sometimes the numbers go up. Sometimes the numbers go down. What interrupted you? What interrupts your life? What, what in general interrupts your relationship with God? Now I'm going to tell you this. Interruptions can be really important. Interruptions really matter. 
It matters because in an interruption, you know, and I, I guess needing a drink of water or, or some coffee can be important, not, not in this setting, not, not in, you know, this setting that I'm reading here, but here's, here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you come to worship and while you're offering your gift of worship, you realize that you got an issue with a sister or a brother Stop what you're doing. There's something more important than singing right now. Did you hear that? There's something more important. While you're trying to offer your worship, you're also refusing to reconcile. You're refusing to deal with things that need to be dealt with. So stop your worship. Stop your song. Stop your sermon, Pastor Rick. Okay, stop your workout. Stop whatever you believe is so important. Stop, stop, Fortnite. Stop. You don't even know what that is. Where are my kids at in the room, all right? Stop, stop, and deal with what's going on in your heart. Now, listen, reconciliation matters to God. Did you hear me? I said reconciliation matters. The lack of reconciliation perpetuated is catastrophic. It's debilitating to people. Uh, how many get your oil changed? How many have your oil changed? How many are faithful to get the oil changed in your car? Other than me, I am. I have that sticker in my windshield. I want the sticker in my windshield. Don't wait for the engine light to come on before you have your oil changed. Have your oil changed regularly because the oil breaks down and then you have the pistons breaking down and the valves breaking down and the crankshaft breaking down. Things stop working together and you find yourself stuck on the side of the road and you say, what's wrong with this car? And I'm saying, what's wrong with the person that was driving this car? Now listen, unity matters. Hear me. Am I preaching okay today? Ain't nobody leaving. Unity matters. Psalm 133 and 1 reads this way. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. How many have read that? It's good and it's pleasant. I mean, the, the pistons and the valves, everything are working together. You don't hear this knock, 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 knock in your engine, in the church, in your family. You don't hear this because it's good and pleasant. And then he gives an oil illustration in verse 2. He says, it's like precious oil upon the beard, upon the head, running down the beard, the beard of Aaron, who is the high priest, who is the one that comes into the presence of God, running down on the edge of his garments. What he's saying is the anointing works best in unity. We need a Holy Ghost to move in our home and our family. No, you need reconciliation so that the Holy Spirit can be poured out. What's wrong with God? Why ain't he doing nothing right now? Why isn't he hearing your prayers? Because he can't hear your prayers when all he can hear is your bitterness. Amen. My preaching okay? Amen. Unity is powerful. Unity is anointing. Unity sets you up for coming into the very presence of God. That's what the scripture is saying. At the same time, disunity unforgiveness, bitterness sets you up for destruction every time. Somebody needs to hear this. I tell you what, if I just graduated from high school, I'd be taking notes because you ain't gone through the test that you're going to go through. Amen. It's interesting. I was talking about communion and one of the early stories of the pandemic was a communion story. 
It was a church in D.C., and uh, a priest in an Orthodox church chose to serve communion. How many have received communion in a more Orthodox fellowship? Have you done that? They have one cup. One cup. Everybody drinks out of the same cup. Priest, everybody else. They have bread. Someone places the bread in your mouth. How many know we break in some pandemic rules right now? Just thinking about that. So the very first diagnosed case of COVID-19 in D.C. was that priest. Bam. So man, that guy should have, he should have went home and take care of his own health before he started helping everybody else. Well, he may not have known he had it. See, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you know, our... Uh, The guy's doing well. Everybody's fine, I guess. I don't know the the rest of the story. If you want it, you'll have to Google it yourself later. Not now. But our governor's told us we need to wear masks in the building. He's he's given us a reprieve that we can lower our masks for religious rituals. But I think people have been doing this for centuries. We come with masks on, take them off, sip a little grape juice and take some bread and then put them back on so nobody can see what's really behind them. Hello? Hello? We go back to living with disunity. We go back living in dissension. Jesus and the apostles were blatantly clear about the way in which we're to receive the Holy Supper of communion. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 27, he says, Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of Jesus. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. Now, there are some people that refuse to receive the supper of the Lord right out of that scripture. I might get this wrong, get sick or something. That's not the concept here. What he's saying is, if you want to participate in the kingdom of God, the fundamental act of being a part of the kingdom of God is unity. It's forgiveness. It's dealing with those issues that we do not want to deal with. And he wants us whenever we get together to receive the supper. But he wants every time we get together for us also to deal with the pain, the suffering, the bitterness, the unforgiveness that we carry against one another. Why are churches? Listen, I went to a church that had divided three times because they couldn't get together. I was there. I thought, what in the world is going on here? How can you receive the supper of the Lord and despise to worship with your brother or your sister? I know this seems frightening, but, it, but again, it's intended to make us holy. Receiving the supper of the Lord is not just grape juice and bread. Listen to me. It's a privilege. It's an opportunity to pause and allow the Holy Spirit to set you in unity with one another. What if every time you received the Supper of the Lord, you examined your life and allowed the Holy Spirit to deal with it? So, so stop what you're doing. This is what he's saying. Make the correction. Before you pretend to eat my body and drink my blood, don't receive the Supper of Forgiveness without forgiving your wife, your husband, your neighbor. Come on, your classmate, uh, somebody that you don't even know but you're mad at. Don't receive the Supper of Divine Reconciliation with out living it out because Jesus died on the cross to reconcile us to God and to reconcile us to one another. So we receive it without reconciliation. Perhaps, you know, I got, I got some graduates, got some graduates, got two of them that are in the room and we have those that are watching online and I'm thinking, you know, did you, did you think at the beginning 
of the school year, did you think you would graduate in the way that you're graduating? Did you, did you think? I mean, if you would, somebody said, well, tell me what you think graduation would be like. Did you think quarantine? Did you think racially charged riots in our streets in every major city in the nation? Literally millions of people, you know, have been impacted. Perhaps you thought, no one has ever been through anything like this. Maybe after it happened, you thought, nobody's been through this. This is, you'll look back one day to this particular day and say, nobody in history has went through this. But of course, in 165, the Antonine Plague killed 5 million Romans. In 735, the Japanese Plague killed a million in 1347, the bubonic plague killed 200 million, 50% of the Euro European population. 1520, smallpox wiped out 90% of the Native American population. In the 1800, yellow fever, yellow fever took the lives of 150,000 in the United States. It was spread through mosquitoes. In the 1900s, there was the Spanish flu, the Asian flu, SARS, swine flu, HIV, Ebola. So coronavirus is not the first time. Nobody's ever experienced this before. Yes, they have. Our grandparents. Some of us remember when there wasn't a measles vaccine. I had the measles. Can I get an amen from somebody else? Here I am. But before us, there were those who went through tragedy, who went through tragic situations. And, and so don't, don't for a moment think that they haven't been through that. There were also those who went through other difficulties. I mean, our hearts have been crushed by the murderous death of George Floyd and the riots we have seen in our streets, right? How many, how many have wept over this besides me? On more than one occasion. I, the, the picture is just horrendous. And when I see that officer at the same time, my heart is crushed by that. And I want, I want to know, what should I do with that guy? Because I really haven't thought too much of what to do with that guy. Amen. That guy really needs Jesus. Amen. Even though some of you just want him to go to hell. Amen. Jesus died for the murderers who killed him. Amen. And he looked at the murderers and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I'm thinking, what? What do you mean they don't know what they're doing? They don't know what they were doing with the whip. They don't know what they were doing with the spear or with the nails or when they ripped the, the flesh off of his body. They, don't, they knew exactly what they were doing. Send those Roman soldiers to hell now. Can you feel my bitterness? Jesus looked upon them with compassion and he said, you don't know how they got into this particular setting right now. And while I've been preaching this about our brother George, I want you to know that Jesus died for people that you don't like. He died to give a, a path. Am I preaching okay right now? Reconciliation, healing for people. And you might say, don't Preach that, Pastor. You're out of line, but I want to give you communion. Yes, yes. You might say no one has ever been through such a pandemic as this and also the racial violence that's going on. But in my lifetime, can I tell you, no, I've seen it before. Amen. Amen. The Watts riot in 1965. Yes. 
I don't know if you heard about that. Do, they, do you hear about that? The watch right, 1965, Los Angeles. Now, I watched on the news uh, the riots that were in the street and the looting that has taken place. But during that riot, hundreds of buildings and businesses were destroyed after a man was arrested and the authorities handled the situation with, with less than civility. And it was said that there was a pregnant woman that was struck in the scuffle. And, and, and it was amazing. You might say, well, it was about that. No. George Floyd's death is a trigger for things that were already built up. The lack of reconciliation in our world is sitting there like a time bomb waiting to go off. Well, what was the watch right about? Was it about that arrest? No. It was about the reality that over 95% of the geography in Los Angeles was off limits to minorities. You could not, as a black man or woman, a family, you could not live in 95% of the city because of the color of your skin. And they were living that way. You said, well, you know, I don't, really, people live that way? Yes. And I was looking at that. Some of you may not know this. You know, I was, I was talking to Sonny the other day. He was here working, and Sonny was telling me he remembered when he lived in D.C., and at one time they lived in one area, but then they got pushed out of that particular area. And you say, no, that's not a reality. Listen, in even the small towns that I grew up in, I grew up in southeastern Ohio, Chillicothe, Ohio, all my life. Had a black section of town, and then the rest of it was all white. I moved to Xenia, Ohio. Same thing. I moved to Dayton, Ohio. I moved to Illinois. Every place. It was like there was this section, and then there was this section. Our culture has been eaten up with the need to find a common place of unity. And in a broken nation that says we believe in Jesus through all of that we just kept coming back to church sipping our grape juice and eating our bread listen to me the government can't handle this you can't send enough national guard and take care of all of the disunity in our world It starts in the hearts of men and women. We need healing and we need deliverance. Mama ever said, no, you can't have dessert until you finish your dinner. Anybody remember that? You say, I want unity. I want reconciliation. You, no, 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 no. You don't get that. You don't get the supper of the Lord. You don't get the glory of God. You don't get the outpouring of the spirit until you go to the upper room and you're in one mind and one accord. And then, and only then, will you pour out into the street and reach people from every nation in the world. Then you'll see my spirit. I want the Holy Ghost. I want Spirit of God. Just I want to prophesy. Hey, just hold your prophecy for a moment until you can embrace your neighbor. Am I preaching too hard today? Can I get an amen from somebody online or... See, we need communion correction because when I tell you about these things, you say, well, what is it? That's the term systemic that you keep hearing. This is a systemic problem. Let me explain it this way. Black churches, white churches. Right? 
bitterness. I can't do anything about every city. I can't do anything about L.A. I can't do everything about, about other cities, about what's going on in Richmond. I can't, I can't deal. They won't let me fix what's going on in Minnesota. But can I tell you this? I am a pastor, and I can start right here. Amen. We are so blessed that Freedom Fellowship is a diverse congregation. God spoke to us years ago about that, and he caused this to happen. We are a snapshot of the kingdom of God and people from every race, every background. We are brothers and sisters. We, we do see color. People say, I don't see color. I don't believe you. God made all of us as different colors. You need to get over yourself. But who was it? Cynthia. She's sitting out in the hallway getting ready to answer prayers. But she told me her pastor said the church is supposed to be like stew. It's got potatoes. It's got carrots. It's got onions. It's got, come on. And it all looks different. But when it's mixed together and it's cooked just right, brothers and sisters, ain't nothing I think what's going on here is detention. I think we've had a divine detention for the last few months. And again, I can't fix everyone else. To be clear, the the vision that the Lord gave us, I wrote it down on a piece of paper in 1990 and shared it with a few minister friends of mine. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. And and this is what it was, is that we'll be a snapshot of the kingdom of heaven, a uh, a multi-ethnic community that worships the Lord together in unity, community Unity. It's almost an oxymoron, like we're saying the same thing. Let me just close with the scripture and the story. The Son of Man, in Luke chapter 19.10, you've read this. Read this with me. The Son of Man has come to... Read it. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Now, what's strange about that scripture is you don't even know what story it's connected to. Because it was the summation... Of a paragraph and a half. It was the story of a short man who was in a sycamore tree. And Jesus was coming by, but he wasn't going to be accepted in the crowd because of his background. And so the short man was also, as he climbed up in the tree, he knew that people didn't like him because he had a business. It was a tax business. It was a franchise he had from the Roman government. He was supposed to collect a certain amount, so he taxed whatever he wanted to. He'd go to a bridge and say, I'm going to tax people who walk this bridge right now. And then he could also pocket a little bit on the side. He could, and he did that. He pocketed. He had a salary from it. But because he was who he was, he didn't have any accountability. So basically what he had was this casual thievery that was going on. Everybody knew he was taking something that did not belong to them. And so he would put it in his pocket. As he climbed up the tree to see Jesus. Anybody ever climbed up a tree to see Jesus? Oh, yes, you have. You knew that your life did not measure up. You knew that you couldn't sit in the presence of the Lord Jesus. You knew there were issues. So you watched, like some people are watching right now online or in the house. You know, you watch Jesus from a distance because you know there's stuff going on in your life. And that if people really knew who you were, they would not want to be with you. Or would they, yeah, stay in your tree. Just stay there, Zacchaeus. Jesus passed by the tree and looked up, the Bible says, in verse, nine, or verse 5. He reached the spot and he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to stay at your house today. I read that and that changed my heart. That changed my view in some ways. 
Jesus stopped by and said, Zacchaeus, I need you to bow your head up there in that, in that right there, and I need you to commit what he said. He said, Zacchaeus, in front of all the people, I want to go to your house and stay today. I want to go, let's get together. I want to go have supper at your house. What? And people started talking. He's gone, he's, he's gone mad. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. He said, Well, what's a sinner? Often a sinner is all those people that you don't want to hang out with. All those people you don't want to do life with. Say, a sinner didn't say he wasn't a believer. Said he was a sinner. I don't like his lifestyle. I'm suspect of this. Nobody had been in his house. They hadn't went through his books. All they know is where they had seen him be. And they did not trust his kind. Jesus had a moment of reconciliation. And he makes this statement that we mess with, we play with. He says in the next verse, in verse 8, he said, Today salvation has come to this house. This man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save what was lost. He didn't validate the sinner statement. He talked about the lost statement. Disunity is being lost. Do you see what I'm teaching you? What did Jesus do? He changed the system. He went to the house of what would have been his enemy. He made a correction and he said, I'm going to your house today. But I hear something else. It's a spiritual moment. He says, I'm coming to your house. But when I come to your house, things are going to change. Before Jesus ever ate a bite, Zacchaeus said, I'm going to reconcile. All those people I've hurt, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to go to them. I'm going to give them what they need. I've stolen from them for so long. I'm not going to be a part of that anymore. anymore." Last Wednesday, I asked our panel, Cynthia, Sydney, Sherman, Noah. I paused and I asked them to forgive me. I don't remember, but I often feel like generationally sometimes I've been a part of the problem. I'm just going to hold my hand up. Has anybody else been a part of the problem of disunity in our world? Anybody but me? Say, I haven't done anything wrong. You don't even know it. Because casual thievery is something you don't even think about. It's just his lifestyle. I, my family, I love you. My family, I care about you. But how many would like to stop the pandemic? Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. Who wants to stop the pandemic? Who would like to stop the racism? Was, is there anybody that would like to stop the racism? Anybody like to stop that? How many would like to, like to stop the violence? Anybody want to stop the violence? Anybody want to? And, and listen, I, I know you can't do something about everything, but you can do something about this. This is an interesting little cup that I'm holding in my hand. Reminds me of a chess piece. Does that make sense? Chess piece. A pawn, as a matter of fact. And you know what we are? We can either be a pawn or we can be an adversary. We can just be moved around or we can do some moving around. We can either just let our culture shove us into different corners or we can say no more. Let me explain how this works. It's in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. Read this with me. So God created man in his own image. 
in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, I want you to circle in your notes the word them. Them. Who are them? Who are them? I am part of them. You see, sometimes we think that somehow, you know, I am myself and you are somebody else. But that's not what I see when I read the scripture. Look at me. Look at me. All of you look at me. Everybody look at me. I am you. And you are me. I am you. God did not just create that and that and that. He created them in his image. Who did he create in his image? He created all of us. Who are you angry at? You're angry at yourself. Because if you're angry at somebody else that God created and you're living in bitterness, your bitterness is really directed at your own heart. Because I am you and you are me and we were all created to be in God's image. You say, well, there are people that I don't like and I don't trust them. When I walk down the street and I see them, I walk on the other side of the street. You, you don't, it's not that you don't trust them. You don't trust yourself. Because you are them and they are you. Well, we're all different. We come from different places. No. God created all of us. And the problem since the beginning has always been disunity. I'm you. You are me. We are them. No matter what the shade of your skin. So now what God calls us to do is this. Engage. Engage. So here's some great news. Oh, wait, I got all kinds of great news here. <laughs> Praise God. I have one young lady who thought her child. Our pregnancy was over, and they just found a heartbeat. And I just want to praise God for that. I want to praise God. Another couple just had a baby. And Elijah and Emmanuel just had a baby. Yesterday, Nianu's granddaughter was born yesterday. And I saw the pictures. Kind of looks just like Nyanu. <laughs> anybody else see that? Just cute little face. And yesterday was my 39th wedding anniversary. Now wait, wait. And I'm in this house today. Our associate pastor Preston, if you did not know, he is my son as well. And they, he and his wife, Lindsay... They got engaged at the same location that Diana and I got engaged. I remember that engagement kind of changed the, I won't go into the whole story, but we were going to do it on horseback, but some of the horses got crazy and we decided we'd find another place. At the playground behind the school that Diana graduated high school from is where Diana and I got engaged. And so we drove back over there and they decided they would get engaged at the same place that we got engaged. No, no, hear me. I said engage. Did you hear what I said? Engage. Say it. Everybody say engage. 
what I did was I asked Diana to come into covenant with me and that we would never be apart. Did you hear what I just said? And now I ask you if you want to receive the supper of the Lord. Does anybody want to receive the supper today? Okay, then first of all, what you need to do is get engaged. Everybody stand with me if you would. I want you to get engaged. Now don't open this yet. Don't open this yet. First of all, I want to ask you if you are in covenant with the Lord Jesus. Who's in covenant with the Lord Jesus? Who's in covenant? Three or four of us? How many believe in Jesus? Anybody believe in Jesus? Who believes in Jesus? Are you in covenant with him? Jesus said this, I will never leave you or forsake you. Okay, now I want you to say this to Jesus. Jesus, you are my Lord. I will never leave you or forsake you. How many have had Jesus do some things that you did not like? Jesus, how come you didn't show up? How did you? How many have had that? How many still love Jesus? You, you did not? You didn't break up with Jesus? You kept Jesus? Have you... Did he tell you everything? Have you got it all figured out? Kept Jesus, though. Okay, wait, wait. When you got married, that was the plan. But I want to ask you, would you all enter into covenant with me? How many will enter into covenant with me? Come on, just reach out, take my hand. Okay, we can't touch right now. Just reach out, reach your hand out. Let's. Would you be my brothers and sisters? Would you be my family? No, would you be my family? Will you be my family? Will you be my family? Will you love me even when you don't like me? Will you forgive me if I do something wrong? Will you work this thing out? And will you, please, please, don't live in bitterness against me because I will fail you sometimes, but don't leave me. Okay, would you say the same thing to me? Because I want to be in covenant with you too. Now wait. Would you open that door for a moment? Could you open that door? Does it open? Just hold it open. I want to ask all those people out there too. I'm going to enter into covenant with you. And I don't care where you're from or what your background is. You hear me, Emerald Point? You hear me, Hilltop? You hear me, Virginia Beach, Virginia? Do you hear me? Do you hear me, United States of America? Whoever you are, I've been saved by the blood of Jesus. And I'm entering into covenant with you. I'm not going to let you make me bitter. I'm going to forgive you no matter what you do. I'm going to love you if you hurt me. I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to forgive you because I know some of you have not agreed like we have forgiven for like we have agreed but I agree that I'm not going to stop loving and forgiving you no matter who you are I want you to enter into covenant with me but even if you hate me right now because of what Jesus did I'm going to keep loving you anybody receive that who has hurt you who has hurt you who's wounded you who are you living in, in bitterness towards? Who can you not stand their name? I want you to say it with me, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now wait. Now I want you to call yourself by name. Rick, call your name. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I reconcile. 
I say in Jesus' name, because of the blood of Jesus, I forgive everyone that has hurt me. Are you ready now? How many want to receive the supper of the Lord? Anybody want to receive? Go ahead. Open it. Open it. Are you ready? This is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Jesus. If Jesus forgave, then I can forgive. I refuse. I refuse to have any bitterness against my brother, my sister, to walk in unforgiveness. I refuse to. My brothers and my sister, we are one body. Somebody say we're one body. And as we receive this, there is also healing that is coming to you. Come on, receive it uh, online right now. Receive it with me. Healing is coming to my body. Protection is coming to my body. Deliverance is coming to my home. I walk in forgiveness. I walk in healing. Jesus said, after you've examined yourself, take this covenant bread, my body, and eat it in remembrance of me. The cup of the Lord Jesus, as you have forgiven, so I forgive you, Jesus said. Take and receive this cup, the blood of the new covenant that I've poured out for you. Take and receive it. Now let's all give thanks to the Lord Jesus. Everyone in the house, give thanks to the Lord Jesus. Give him thanks. Just lay the paper down right there on the seat for a moment. Lord, we praise you. We give you thanks for the reconciliation that we have in this room and the healing that we have. Now, some of you need special prayer. You say, well, how do we do that? Well, it's a part of our religious ritual. It's a part of our religious practice to pray for those that are in need. So if you need prayer for sickness, for, for what's going on in your heart, just come and spread yourself out across this altar, and some of our altar workers will come and meet you there. Secondly, if you're online, call 428-3277 or send your email prayer request to prayer at comegetfree.org. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. Come on, let's all worship him as they sing. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. We thank you and we worship you. Praise you, Lord Jesus. If you need prayer, come and meet us here. When you choose to be dismissed, you can go out the side door or to the right side of the, of the front doors. God bless you all. I love you. We're in covenant together. God bless you all. You are dismissed.
Joseph.